Long-time listener and first-time caller. So, Gunner, guess what? Um, I suddenly found $10 in my wallet. Yeah. Our, our good uh, sponsor of the show, uh, Sean Wells and the SCAP Security Guide, uh, they, they're on a premium plan now where they actually get a speaking spot on the show. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, welcome, Sean. We appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gunnar, for, for people that, like, explain why uh, Sean sponsors us. Um, well, first of all, because we need the money. Um, and second of all, uh, because the work that Sean is doing with SCAP and the SCAP Security Guide and all the other great um, kind of security-related work that, uh, that Sean's been doing, um, more people need to hear about it. Yeah. And, and it's funny, we joke about him sponsoring us, but he doesn't. Um, we, we talk about him for free. So I would say next to Lauren, I think we talk about Sean second most mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah, so, I think that's yeah. fair. I think that's so fair. I'm basically family. That's, that's great. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Even, even though you won't respond to any of our invoices. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sean, tell me, how do, for SCAP Security Guide, we've talked about it on the, on the show a bunch, but... Um, can you give me give me a little bit of history behind kind of how the project came to be? Yeah, so there's there's this DoD directive 8500.1 and it mandates the hardening of IT products prior to the deployment on government really specifically military networks. And we classically have deployed RHEL like RHEL 5, RHEL 4 and legacy and it involved a lot of human review of the security settings. In, in some cases, we were getting reports where it could take days. So what used to be done manually evolved into bash scripts. And all of the prime contractors and many government agencies would write their own bash scripts that would either harden their system or just verify that somebody else did. But Oh, I remember it, this. It, like when I first started at Red Hat, it was like every sysadmin you meant, you know, every sysadmin you met had their own personal bash script. Um, they're, yeah, they're cherished. Yeah, yeah right, right. Well, what's funny too is that they're willing to take somebody else's work, but it's like you ask them to give it back, and it'd be like, "Oh no, we can't do that." And it's like, yeah, that's that's and, and that's, so that's it's like they're waiting part. for every somebody else to go first, and right. so you guys did. Yeah, so you know everybody would have like you mentioned their their own bash scripts, and the challenge was as Red Hat, you know, we we tap dance in dozens to hundreds of programs every week, every month. And it became really challenging for us to support all these different environments hardened in a dozen different ways, verified in multiple different ways. And when the government was going through system accreditations, like at the NSA or within the Air Force and Army, every program would accredit REL differently. So mm-hmm. NSA, uh, specifically the Information Assurance Directorate, is kind of tasked to provide standards of, of hardening. So I, I, got, I got a call about two years ago, and I'll never forget it. So this call is, you know, hello, this is Mr. Blank. I'm joined by Mr. Smith. Uh, we're from the NSA. We, we, <laughs> we, we'd like you to work with us about hardening Linux. And, you know, it, it took me a second to realize that it wasn't, you know, uh, one of the colleagues playing a joke. And, and I went in for this meeting uh, in this building outside of BWI, and it was straight up legitimate. Like, there's guys with M16s guarding the gate. And I realized uh, this wasn't a joke. So uh, at the time, the RHEL 5 was out, 
And it took us uh, 1,988 days between the release of RHEL 5 and the release of the RHEL 5 STIG. And that was really infuriating, right? So customers couldn't use, uh, at the time, Zen and KVM. They weren't able to use some of the device pass-through for memory management, for virtualization, as well as memory management. And it became really troublesome where the government wanted to move forward to this new technology, which was already common criteria certified at this point, but, but they couldn't because there wasn't a STIG. So the an original premise of this call was, was to figure out how to create a RHEL 6 STIG. And we, we decided that classically these STIGs were created by a very small group of people uh, measuring you know, less than four, less than five, uh, up up in rural Pennsylvania with people who didn't have security clearances. And we wanted to extend this to a open source project. So we had this vision that we were going to open source the STIG. And it was the first time that, that we thought we could open source policy. Uh, and this was roughly uh, May 2011, May or June. Um, so we went around and we kind of asked for, we made the mistake of, of asking for permission. And uh, <laughs> we eventually got thrown, not thrown, but we got uh, discussions with the NSA Corporate Council about, mm. you know, what is this open source thing? How do we do licensing? Because Red Hat wasn't on contract to do this. It was just something we felt the community would use. And so, this is really, this is like a really common problem in doing um, open source projects in the DoD. I know if you go to the mill OSS list, uh, but you know, a couple times every month, somebody will write in and say, hey, um, the DoD or my program can't figure out how to do something without paying somebody money. Um, like I, I, I'm pretty sure it's illegal for me to just do this without having a contract in place, um, which, right. which is wrong, of course, but um, it's a really kind of, it's, it's a common problem. Uh, people feel like they need permission to, you know, to work on these open source projects when, when often they don't. Yeah, and it, it was, it was kind of challenging, but um, so, so what we ended up doing is we, Red Hat kind of defers to the GPL for a lot of things or Apache and some BSD licenses. And we, we got to the point where it was so frustrating that we just said, you know, let's, let's forget this and, and we'll just make everything public domain. And, you know, we were kind of chatting internally yesterday that the best license is no license. So we, we open sourced this project through the public domain and it allowed us to create a body of common, high quality security guidance for RHEL 6. And what started off uh, with the, the individual's name is Jeff Blank, and he's one of the tech directors within uh, NSA's IED. And it was him, myself, uh, another Dave Smith. And over, over about six months, word kind of spread that we were trying to open source policy. And this was the chance for the Red Hat community to step up and say what they liked or didn't like about the Stigs prior. And, and democratize the process of, of policy creation. So mm -hmm. we did, and, and it took maybe uh, six months, eight months, and we, we knocked out the policy portion, the, the thou shall do something. And then we were presented, you know, now that we have this policy, we were presented with this problem of bash scripts. Mm -hmm. So every program, government program would have these bash scripts, they'd be hundreds of lines long and different. So around this time, there's a standard called SCAP, the security content automation protocol that was maturing. 
So we decided that we could create a XML schema uh, of all these you know, legacy four or 500 page PDFs. We'll write it in XML. We'll write a interpreter uh, that within Red Hat is called OpenSCAP. It's, it's just included. It's not a product. You, you yum install it. And what that would end up allowing us to do is creating security guidance that says things like, uh, if you're running SSH, you have to have a login banner. So you give it a file path of Etsy, SSHD, config, and you give it a regex, which would figure out if you have banner yes, and the operating system specific interpreter, such as Ubuntu, CentOS, or, or Windows, uh, Linux would turn it into a sed command. Windows, I have no idea what they use PowerShell, I, I don't know. Uh, but the idea is this body of XML would be usable across multiple platforms. Right, so you only have to define the policy, the machine-readable part of the policy, you only have to define it once, and then it's up to each individual machine's SCAP interpreter to figure out what to do with it. Yeah, yes. and, and there's, there's a formal standards body now. It's, uh, NIST sponsors it. So what we wanted to do was create provenance of the content, right? So it's open source, it's developed with the NSA, it's developed with DISA FSO, with Red Hat, and we have it's, it's, it's peer-reviewed by Red Hat's security engineering team, a guy named Steve Grubb, and it gave us provenance. But then we ran into trust issues where if we're basing our machine's accreditation off of this content, how do we know the interpreter is trusted? There is no common criteria for SCAP interpreters. Mm-hmm. So NIST stepped up and they, they created a compliance program where interpreters would have to uh, validate behavior. So if, if a false positive, sorry, if, if a string does a regex, we know that it's a binary one or zero for pass and fail. Right. Uh, this, is the, this is the same kind of thing they'll do for encryption and the FIPS standard, right? Like say, yeah. okay, you say that you are implementing AES, but now we're going to throw you at a lab and have the lab decide whether you've implemented it properly. It's basically the same mm-hmm. thing for SCAP interpreters, right? Yeah, it's, it's called the SCAP validation program. It's, it's ran by NIST. It's been done for some time. And not only do we have to have the content, but we had to have a SCAP validated, a NIST validated tool. So we went through that process and over about 18 months, grand 18 months, uh, we had a body of content as well as a certified interpreter that could parse all this stuff. And what's really interesting is, you know, it started off with, you know, three or four dudes uh, at a bar and a napkin just outside of BWI. Uh, and it's grown into about three dozen individual government agencies and contributors. So um, Rodney Mercer from Harris Corporation, Lockheed Martin's involved, Lawrence Livermore, the NSA, the FBI, they're all contributing publicly uh, to this project. And it allowed us, uh, so the REL5 STIG took uh, 1,988 days from the time REL5 was released to the time there was a functioning STIG. And with RHEL 6, we cut that 2,000 days, roughly, down to 932. So it's you know, about twice as fast uh, as of a development process. So by open sourcing it, we had a stick faster. We arguably had a higher provenance because of all the community members that were involved. Um, so where we are today 
uh, in terms of uh, community building is we are already starting to work on the RHEL 7 STIG, which will not be released until, RHEL 7 will not be released until I believe spring, mid-spring. So our goal is for the very first time uh, for any vendor to actually have a STIG at or slightly before the release of their commercial product. So that way users within our DoD and intelligence community have a, a zero-day stick. That's awesome. Uh, That's yeah. awesome. Now, yeah, is it, just, does, this, does this only work for, is this only for Linux stuff? Or, I mean, you can, can you do, it sounds like you could do SCAP for basically anything, right? Yeah, so SCAP is cross-platform. And you can actually go to scap.nist.gov and they have accredited tools, the interpreters, they have SCAP content that's available. And right now they, they call them security checklists. And there's a body of content for applications like Microsoft Internet Explorer, for operating systems, Windows Vista, for RHEL. We also publish content for Red Hat middleware known as JBoss. So our JBoss uh, enterprise application portal uh, platform, as well as our Fuse middleware. So the, the list goes on and on. And what's actually kind of glorious about this is that NIST centrally manages a huge body of SCAP content. Uh, they call it the National Vulnerability Database, which is a little bit weird. Uh, and through that, they have the National Checklist Program. So uh, Apple, for example, has SCAP on Apple as their project. Cisco publishes SCAP content. So through NIST, you can go to a single portal and have access to multiple vendors' SCAP content. That's awesome. It's a, well, and what you're describing, it sounds like a next obvious step is like having some central tool that would let me kind of assemble all this SCAP content and maybe even like, oh, actually, yeah, so actually, let me ask this question. So if so the content that you're generating, um, it's all been, you know, it's all been verified by all the relevant agencies, and it's obviously going to make people's lives easier. As in the beginning, every program or every individual sysadmin has like their own way of doing things, or um, mm -hmm. they, they're they may want to add additional checks on top of the checks that you guys developed. Um, so how does that work? Like, it, I seem to remember, like, as, there's some way of like creating your own variant copy of SCAP for your own program, um, but then it doesn't ruin the upstream, like it, it kind of adds to it? Or how does that work? Sure, sure. So there's really two questions of that I heard. So how to tailor the content and how to, you know, like centrally manage this if you have to scan a thousand machines. How yeah, do you thanks. Do? Yeah, that's exactly um, what I was asking. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so what we end up doing, uh, first and foremost, we had uh, some of the Red Hat engineers on um, I can't see his last name. He's from Brno. So Ianko is his uh, IRC nick. So he really stepped up and he helped us get packaged in Apple. So we have a RPM that you once you enable Apple, the extra packages repository, you can yum install SCAP security guide. And it has content for Fedora 19, RHEL 6, JBoss, and Fuse today. We welcome more if, if people have requests, we, we take them. And what SSG really represents is a large catalog of security controls. There's plus or minus 500 uh, RHEL 6 security nerd knobs that you can change. <laughs> and these individual controls are grouped into logical profiles. So the STIG is a profile. Uh, FISMA moderate 
We also have one that's called the Red Hat Certified Cloud Provider, or, or CCP, where if you are a commercial cloud provider like Terramark or Amazon, you want to give your users RHEL to provide a consistent baseline Red Hat uh, mandates, maybe that's a strong word, but encourages our partners to use this security baseline. So Linux is Linux no matter where you go. So these profiles can be logical groupings. What we end up doing is there's a concept of refined values. So for the military, for the US DOD STIG, there are password length requirements. Let's, let's say they're fictitiously 15 characters but you are the CIA and you want it to be 25 characters. So by replacing a single variable, uh, which is just XML name pairs, you then automatically update your machine language, that automated red light, green light language. It also automatically generates a system security plan, which is what your system admins will use for uh, how to configure their machine. Click here, run this command, grep for this or that that automatically gets updated. And then we also dynamically generate what's called, what used to be called a security requirements traceability matrix or, or SRTM. And what's significant about all of this is that within SSG, we include metadata uh, back to NIST 853, as well as to the DISA FSO uh, requirements for the STIG. So if, if you have uh, a civilian agency um, IRS or, or DHS, for example, we can say to meet NIST 853 CM7, here's the individual Linux control that we're configuring to meet this. Uh, so all of that is done by tailoring just a single variable. And you can do that in VI or Emacs, uh, or there's also a GUI tool now called SCAP Workbench, where it provides you like drag and drop, drop down menus, uh, to mm -hmm. do all this. Oh, that's awesome. And so, yeah. um, and so what I'm hearing too is that this would be enormously useful for something like FedRAMP, right? Um, so if a, if a provider or if an agency who wants to provide cloud services needs to um, prove that the, at least the Red Hat part of their, um, of their cloud is ready um, for FedRAMP, uh, this would totally automate that, right? Yeah. So it's, it's awesome. well, it would automate the security controls of it, right? So FedRAMP right. is a bunch of processes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. when it comes to locking down Linux or KVM uh, or, or JVOS, mm -hmm. 100%. So how does it deal with, uh, how does it deal with like the non-software part of the part of standard? Like, are you able to say you must have two guys with M16s at the front door? Um, or, you know, your door has to have a lock on it? Are you able to capture that? Because most of these security kind of policy documents not only have like password restrictions, but also talk about kind of physical security measures and things like that. Can that be captured by SCAP? Yeah, so there's something called OCIL, uh, O-C-I-L, which is a, hmm, think of it as like the human checklist. Are you doing backups? We really cannot, you know, there's nothing to set or grep to do that. Right. Uh, so you create what's basically, you know, human reviewable yes, no checklists. And we can integrate that. So we scan for password complexities. We scan for audit rules. You get your report. And then that can be augmented with a, uh, excuse me, it's, it's literally a, a yes or no kind of thing. Are you doing backups? Do you have a badge reader? And as soon as you say yes uh, or no, uh, you get your grand results. And there's a, one of the tools out there is actually called JOVAL. And it's a, a Java interpreter of, of SCAP. 
and it provides all this integration uh, out of the box. So it's cool. it's a it's an open source SDK. You can go to joval.org and 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 download it. That's very cool. But then you know, folks who don't uh, who haven't yet adopted CloudForms, first of all, shame on them. Uh, but second of all, uh, if you are a satellite customer, we also have SCAP support in satellite too, right? Yeah. So you actually touch on a really good point about uh, integration. So the second half of your question was, you know, how do we centrally manage, you know, scans? Mm-hmm. And through that, so Red Hat Satellite uh, 5, 6 now has SCAP integration where I mentioned we have an RPM. So you can actually import that RPM into satellite and subscribe your systems to it. So that way, as the STIG receives updates or SSG receives updates, your machines get them with YUM update. And there's there's now a tab. It's, it's, it's just called audit. And you can choose to audit a single machine, a group of machines, we embed a database that keeps track of these scans. So if you wanted to scan a, a, a day zero golden image and then you want to rescan it 30 days later, we can actually tell you what security controls changed, if any, and we archive that for as long as you want. That's so, very cool. Yeah. That's very and, cool. And, it, and to your question about FedRAMP, a lot of these customers are using this to um, assist with meeting the continuous requirement, continuous monitoring requirements. Right. So that way we have it centrally managed. Um, you can cha- tell what changed. You have a way to push updates to your SCAP content. And um, and off you go. Yeah, no, that's great. That's very cool. And and there are also, though. I mean, I know, of course, you know, it's the three of us, so we're going to talk about the Red Hat tools, but um, I don't want to get, I don't want to give folks the impression that um, there are only SCAP tools from Red Hat and that SCAP is, in fact, pretty broadly adopted across the industry. I think, like, Microsoft has stuff, Symantec has stuff um, to help manage SCAP content. So you can definitely still use, like, Red Hat SCAP content with uh, Microsoft SCAP tools, right? Yeah, and actually, you hit it right on the head. So SCAP is a, is a protocol, just like TCP IP. It's an industry standard. So... One of the interesting things going on is uh, DISA selected a company called Tenable to provide their security center product as the backing of DISA ACAS. And what Tenable ended up doing is uh, Ron Gula, the CEO, uh, myself, and, and some others at Red Hat go back for, for a decade, and we've worked together to SCAP enable uh, Tenable, uh, their Nessus product line, their security center mm-hmm. product line. So right. that way, you can actually import Red Hat SCAP content, Windows, Cisco, and scan it centrally through ACAS. So super cool. Yeah, we've one of the design goals of this whole thing was we really wanted to separate tools from content. So that way, our content is provided in an RPM. It's XML. Buy or use whatever tool you want. There's a command line thing, which is Open SCAP. There's satellite, which integrates pretty much for every Red Hat customer. There's the ACAS rollout that's going on. And it's it's beautiful in that the SSG content works with all of these. That's awesome. That's really great. And so so help me help me understand this too, because what you're describing sounds a lot like like how does this interact with something like Puppet or like a configuration management tool? Because like if I got a configuration management tool and I've got all my like lockdown rules in my config management tool, then I don't need SCAP, right? So it's there's really two uses. The the first and foremost is to evaluate a system to get your your red light, green lights, your password fails. And in that case, Puppet will be able to detect a change 
but it's not necessarily meant as a compliance scanner in the same way Oval is. There's really a, this big difference between compliance and remediation, where compliance will give us the red light, green light, remediation does something with these red lights. So out of the box, what we ended up doing is supporting remediation languages. So we chose to work on Bash first, only because Bash is going to be within every Linux operating system. We, we know Bash is going to be there, where Puppet may or may not be. So we're roughly, ambitiously, 40% with our Bash scripts. And we hope to finish that up through uh, the remainder of February. And from there, we also added extensions to support Puppet. So if you have a, a Puppet script, uh, if you get a red light, you have a Puppet script that will reconfigure SSH for you, then we can actually call that out of the box. And oh, it allows cool. us to do advanced remediation through a, through a single tool. That's, that's excellent. So now you mentioned that there were like three dozen contributors to this. I mean, and I just think it's so cool to have an upstream for all this, for all this security, uh, like compliance content. I mean, that's amazing. So like we now have this upstream SSG and then that feeds things like the STIG or the U S government configuration baseline. Um, I'm sure there are like private companies using it as upstream. Um, so it's really, it's incredible to have, especially because it is so important to get this content right. It's, it's great to have everyone solve the problem once, right? Um, anyway, so you, but you were saying that there were like three dozen contributors. Do you have any favorites? Do I have any favorites? Um, I don't know. So it's actually been really, really fantastic because we have a lot of the core contributors, Jeff Blank, uh, David Smith, myself, and then we have new guys coming up, like Rodney Mercer from Harris has stepped up and he is really going through all the checks and bug fixing. We've had flyby commits from uh, Spencer Shimo, uh, who used to be of Traces. Now he's of a company called Quark, uh, doing mobile security. But they they authored the RPM build process for us, and it was literally you know it took them a day or two. They just dropped a patch, and that was their way of contributing. We have others. Um, uh, Sparks is his nickname, where he's stepping up and authoring uh, actual documentation. <laughs> so if you have no idea what XML and XCCDF and Oval, like, what are these things? And his background is he actually is the author of the Fedora security guide. So he brings a bit of professionalism to the tech writing. Um, so it's, it's really been kind of cool how it started off being, you know, SCAP nerds, and then we've grown to tech writers. We've grown to people who just leisurely bug fix, meaningfully, but leisurely. Uh, others, uh, Frank Kavigia, of, also of Red Hat, he is incorporating bash scripts. And it's, it's been just fantastic. Um, That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So how, That's really how cool. do you, like, Sean, how did you start that culture? Because, like, I can imagine you have the government people that, think that, you know, it's illegal for them to do something like that or they're afraid to do it or you get the integrators that are, you know, they're afraid that they'll get fired because it's they, you know, any work they do is considered the intellectual property of the, who they're working for. Um, how, how, how did you get people to start contributing stuff? Well, uh, first and foremost, it, it helps to have friends in high places. So mm -hmm. Jeff Blank is, uh, he's a GS15 tech director at NSA. And he and I would go to the DAAs of different agencies at the Marine Corps, at NRO, at FBI, 
and we would sit them down and say, hey, we are doing this. We have uh, our approval actually came from DOD counsel, not just NSA counsel. Mm -hmm. So that really opened the doors within the DOD, the JWICs, the DISA community. And that was really good because it helped the, the groundswell. And when we got to be maybe half a dozen people, we have this Red Hat. Red Hat has a user's forum called GovSec. Uh, it's, it's just GovSec at RedHat.com. And we sent out this email to it. It was really, really just like one or two lines. Hey, we're working on security automation. Is anybody interested in getting together for a couple hours and, and learning about how to automate the STIG? And out of that, we had so many responses. We pulled in our, our marketing team. I went and asked for money to rent out uh, the Hilton in, or the Sheraton in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. And we had about 300 people show up who were interested in like how to do SCAP, how to run a scan. And it was meant just as user education, not just you know developer, about how to run a scan, how to generate these security guides. And out of that, we ended up doing... I don't know, three or four more across the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And over, over about six months, seven months, we put just under 1,000 people through training, and we did it for free. So Jeff Blank, myself, um, a couple others just offered like an hour of our time. We had Lockheed donate a building. We had NSA uncleared facilities. And we just opened our doors up and, and said, hey, if you want to learn, come hang out for an hour. And over six, seven months, that community just grew and grew and grew. And it was really interesting because we, we didn't really expect that. Where SCAP is like super nerdy. Nobody's really heard of it. Everybody has their own bash scripts. And the community kind of came together and we formed a mailing list where – people would ask for help and it was very non-judgmental. It was very positive, very, um, it, it was, it was a community. It was really my, like I've worked at Red Hat for seven or eight years now, but I've never been part, really part of an open source community where I was developing something. So it was really cool to have users and contributors come, come together. That's awesome. And so what I heard from, what I heard from what you said, Sean, was that there's three kind of important components. Um, and you'll see this in like the, how to build an open source community literature, right? The first is making sure that, <laughs> making sure that folks have air cover. Um, so, you know, uh, going visiting, visiting kind of the executives and the lawyers and making sure that they're, you know, they're cool with everything. Um, and then the second piece was doing outreach and, uh, getting people interested. Um, so that's the, you know, doing, you know, getting 300 people in a room and teaching them how to use the tool. And then the third and like most important thing is have something for them to do once they're educated. Right. And that's, you've done a, I think you've done a great job of making the project really available to people, um, whether they're, uh, learning it, um, like you say, you know, having a mailing list where people can ask questions and not feel judged, um, to being like making it easy for people to contribute things so that, um, so that, uh, Spencer can just give you kind of a drive-by patch of uh, an RPM build script, you know, stuff like that. Um, having those three components, like the air cover, the education, and then like availability to contribution. Um, that's, I mean, you just, you hit the, you hit the three right on the head and, uh, and got great results to show for it. So you should feel good about it. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, to, to add a fourth, it was, I'd say the fourth tenant is letting to learning to let go 
So, <laughs> right. right. I mean, we, we had this vision and uh, DISA FSO has classically hired contractors, prime contractors to write the stakes. And, the, you know, they kind of had to let go and, and let the community steer. So we, we had to enable that through just transparency of dialogue. Um, all of our patches are public. The, the consensus model is public. Um, Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool. been great, and so the, and so you got and there was one contribution that I, I'd love if you talk about a little bit is the uh, uh, up in Fedora where you know the ASCAP stuff is that's where it's housed right is in the Fedora project but up in Fedora the uh, st- someone actually built plugged ASCAP into Anaconda um, can you talk a little bit about that that's super cool yeah so what we ended up doing is uh, there was a guy who was interested in creating kind of a master's thesis. And what he ended up doing was modifying Anaconda to be SCAP aware so that when you're clicking next, 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 next during the install process, one of the new screens uh, has a drop-down menu where you can choose your SCAP content and profile. So during your provisioning, you choose things, let's just use the STIG, and I choose to you know, make sure my Kickstart is STIG compliant. And because we include fixed content, which is today's bash scripts, so if your Kickstart file or your golden image, or let's just say you install the Fedora CD natively, uh, you can actually choose to become STIG compliant during your provisioning process before your machine even touches the network. So, That's awesome. Yeah, that's in Fedora now, and it's, it's called the OSCAP Anaconda add-on. And what it allows us to do, um, the, the Fedora project, I mean, what it, the project has allowed us to do is we actually publish ISOs uh, where it has this SCAP integration baked in. And you can download an ISO, you can run it on VMware or, or, or KVM, whatever your desktop VM is, and, and play with it. Cool. That's, that's really great. Um, so does that mean it's going to be in RHEL 7? Or what, what's the deal with the, what's the score for RHEL 7? Yeah, so right now there's a Bugzilla open to get it included with RHEL 7. So it looks like it's going to be a tech preview, um, which, is, which is great. So that means customers can use it, customers will play with it, see what they like or don't like. And as we move forward, it, it, uh, it means that long term within RHEL 7, we'll have the ability to just choose a security profile like STIG or Common Criteria or custom, and your machine out of the box will be configured that way. Right on. You should do a summit talk. <laughs> You're leading me again. So there is one. <laughs> uh, it's, it's called uh, Applied SCAP. So we'll actually be demoing this hands-on at summit, and it's on Wednesday afternoon. So the idea is we're, we're bringing in NSA, uh, who is one of the co-developers, Steve Grubb will also be there, who maintains a lot of our common criteria baselines. Myself uh, will give a talk of what SCAP is, we'll demo it, we'll show how to uh, like manipulate it, how to change these variables that we talked about. And uh, hopefully the takeaway will be, you know, people will go yum install it, play with it, join the mailing list. Excellent. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, Dave, do you have any questions? Well, what, what about, uh, so we talked about having these ad hoc get-togethers in the past, and, and we're going to be doing that again in the future coming up too, right, Sean? Yeah, so the I mentioned last year we sent kind of this note to GovSec saying, hey, anybody interested? And we had about 300 people show up. 
So that has spawned into a what we're calling the Defense in Depth Day. So the last one was this past June 2013. We'll probably have one in uh, March, April again, one in D.C., probably one in the southeast, maybe Tampa, and then likely out in San Diego area where okay. we'll fly out, at, we'll give a hands-on lab. So it's, it's meant to be about a two-hour class. There's, there's literally no slides. We wrote a workbook. Uh, we go through, you get your own VM, we install it, we configure it, we change. We actually have you write your own rules, uh, how to submit patches back upstream, how to plug it into satellite, and the next one is, is coming up. So we can post a link for those who are interested in it. And then we've also extended it to partners. So if you are in this space, the, the security automation or, or security space, uh, we are willing to give partners a chance to give like a 30 to an hour minute, uh, 30 to 60 minute talk. We have Dan Walsh coming out to talk about Linux containers. Uh, Steve Grubb is, is always the fan favorite about talking with common criteria and auditing. Uh, we'll have NSA talk a little bit about their mobile strategy. So it's meant to be hands-on workshops. Usually, if, if you're speaking, you're the guy who wrote the technology. Um, so it's, it gives a little credibility that way. And, of course, it's free. Yeah. Also, so we should – yeah, so we'll, I guess, I guess we'll uh, – uh, we'll, we'll whenever we get the the notice of the dates, we'll plug the dates on the show. But we'll probably folks should subscribe to GovSec too because it's it's almost like a new iPhone coming out. I mean, it's like the capacity fills up for these events. It's like crazy because last uh, last time it was like um, like you said, Sean, it, it filled up pretty quickly, and there were people that were waitlisted, and um, it was a pretty high demand. Yeah. So when we opened, we ha we opened up like a formal registration because the rooms and the internet capacity. So we had about three hundred people register within, uh, I would say, two hours, mm -hmm. maybe three hours, and it was full. I mean, but we were letting the community know when registration would open, so it was kind of expected. Um, but yeah, it filled up in two or three hours, and people came in from like all over the place too. The farthest one was Australia. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. People are people are hungry for this content, Sean. They they they're hungry for SCAP. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll be doing the defense in depth. Uh, we'll be doing the summit talk. We'll be doing some webinars, and then also we we can post a link to the SSG community, and maybe some people can chirp up and give ideas of of cities to visit. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. If, if folks if folks want to participate in these, um, not just attend them, but if they want to like if they want to throw one themselves or if they want to get involved, how do they how do they get plugged in? Join the mailing list. Everything everything is on the mailing list. So it's it's where you submit patches. It's where you file bugs. Uh, it's it's where you engage with the community. And yeah. I'll, I'll give you guys a link, and you can post it. Yeah, and that's in in this case the the mailing list would be the SCAP Security Guide mailing list, not GovSec. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah, we'll give you a list for you. Sounds awesome. like they ought to be teaching us stuff in school. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned that. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm actually moving to Boston, um, where we'll be teaching some of this at, uh, at Harvard. So the idea is to make open courseware and actually give it, give it away to the public. Nice. So look out for that cool. probably uh, in fall. Yeah, and so stuff Excellent. like this is only applicable to operating systems, right? To operating systems, to Cisco routers, to middleware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, what it's about actually OpenStack? Ah, so this past summer, we had 
maybe about a dozen of us get together and write a book, uh, the OpenStack Security Guide, and we did it through the OpenStack Foundation. So Nate Burton of NSA fame, uh, myself, some of the Nebula guys, some of the JPL guys, we all got together and wrote a security guide. And it's, it's meant not for government, it's, it's really just what things should you consider when deploying OpenStack? What are the possible attack vectors if you're deploying Quantum and Swift and Cinder? So what we've been working on with the NSA is to actually create a, uh, for one, a common criteria profile for OpenStack, as well as a OpenStack STIG, which will allow us to go ahead and create SCAP content, to create automation content for OpenStack deployments. Yeah, so right now it's the OpenStack Security Guide is, it's a book, it's, it's a human-readable narrative, and I guess it, the next step is to codifying that into machine-readable SCAP. Yeah, I mean, you can call it what it is. It's a nerd book. It's, it's a couple yeah. hundred page nerd book. And yeah. through that, it will be to work with the government to form policy. And that work, hope, I mean, ambitiously should be done by midsummer, say June, July. And from there, we'll have the actual requirements to actually create a SCAP baseline. Yeah. Well, one, one of the other things, Sean, is a lot of times whenever I talk to people like outside of public sector and I mention SCAP and they're like, oh, that's a government thing. And, and I'm like, no. And you know, trying to explain to them that it's, it's useful for you know, anybody that wants to measure a security posture, but, but even for other regulated, for regulated industries that are outside the government, too. Um, so what are some of the efforts that you guys are looking at for reaching out to like other types of, of people that need to do compliance and lockdown and stuff like that? Sure. So th the first slide is I mentioned we are starting to work through the certified cloud providers. So mm -hmm. uh, things like Amazon, Rackspace, Terramark, and that way a, a Linux image in any of these environments will act and behave the same. So mm -hmm. that's, that's very specifically tailored for commercial. The other is we started to work um, largely with, well, there's a couple airlines, there's a couple Wall Street guys. We've had some flyby commits uh, from people like Fidelity and Bank of America who are creating their own profiles. And really what we're looking for is community feedback about what commercial profiles should we take a look at. And because we represent a catalog of controls that can be logically organized into profiles, it's really just a matter of clicking which mm -hmm. ones you want into a profile. So we have some ambitions to create a PCI compliance profile. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of the, the commercial guys are really requesting that. So that'll, if I were to pick one, I would say that PCI will probably be the next one we publish. Yeah, yeah I so, was going to say, I mean, it's, especially because PCI has like, I mean, they have, it's like 90% the same as the stick, right? Well, it's largely the same, yeah. So what's beautiful about this is there's this concept of profile inheritance. So let's say you're a customer. Uh, we actually had one. So it's, it's, a, it's a healthcare uh, in the southeast, and they want to run on the STIG, but instead of you know, 12, 13-character passwords, they just want eight. So they actually can take this profile, inherit it into healthcare company profile, and manipulate the variables, and off they go. So it allows you to tailor existing content. And then there's another, um, it's an airline company out of Europe, and they actually want to extend the STIG. So right now, the STIG is maybe 200, 250 controls out of a possible 500. And the airline wants to run 
everything, every possible nerd knob that anyone's ever thought of. Um, they're just gung ho on. So uh, they're doing that. So they can extend it, manipulate it. And if it's a baseline like PCI that is really about a industry, then those are the ones that we will go ahead and pick up in the RPM and ship to, to customers worldwide. So Sean, like a lot of times people might equate the SCAP security guide to being exactly the, the STIG or vice versa, but actually you could think of the SCAP security guide as being like the, the Fedora proving ground where you do the innovation and then a baseline would be snapped and, and hardened and, and called the STIG and blessed by the DOD. Um, is that is that is that the right way to think of it? And, and then you could have other outputs for, for other, like for PCI and others as well? Yeah, it's exactly the right way. So you, continuing the STIG exemplar, uh, so DISA FSO calls out SSG as the upstream of the STIG. And what we mean by that is it's a development community that we, we pa- on average, we're getting two to five patches a day get committed upstream, uh, whether it's a bug fix, a policy change, something like this. And then we have downstream agencies like DISA FSO releasing the STIG NSA releasing the SNAC, Red Hat releasing the certified cloud provider baseline, and they rebase every so often, just like you know kernel.org to Red Hat Linux. Um, so it's a collection of controls, and while a lot of it's government focused simply because they're mandated to do it, we have airlines, we have healthcare, we have some financial Wall Street people um, making their own profiles. So it's, it's very much a collection of controls that, that you can choose what it becomes. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually been, it's been really fun. So um, right now we've, we've had, yeah, I think we just recently broke 2,000 commits, uh, individual commits across something like 180,000 lines of source code. And yeah. it's, it's becoming an actual project. That's so well, cool. You, you've been collecting like crazy metrics too, right? It's, it's pretty impressive. I do. Yeah, we monitor them largely because a lot of these commercial companies, especially, they want to know the provenance about how many people who is, is it is it a dynamic community? Like, are people still mm-hmm. coding against it? And in, in that case, we measure those by number of commits, how many people average uh, churn of lines of code. And what's there's this um, uh, I, I believe it was. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong. It's either the Marines or the Air Force kind of did this study of SSG and they used the uh, Kokomo model, like uh, the average lines of code per developer. And if we're paying a developer, how much does it cost? And they did it for the RHEL 6 STIG. And so what we ended up finding was that using the legacy software development model, it would have taken an estimated 43 years of FTEs um, Hmm. And if, you know, if, if you, let's pay a developer, you know, uh, near six figures, that, that would have been like four and a half, five million dollars of the development for the RELSIC STIG. And we did it through an open source project. So hmm. that's, that's pretty awesome. And, and now we're doing it for RHEL 7. We did it for JBoss. Uh, we're starting to open it up to OpenStack, KVM. So if there's an area of technology that people are interested in, the community's there to support you and, and encourage you. That's awesome. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, Sean, you're doing a fantastic job. Um, I'm so glad you took the time out to talk with us about it. Um, I know I learned a lot. It's great. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you guys I, for, for finally having I, your sponsor on the show. <laughs> and, and Sean, I have one last question for you. Um, you we, we, we are going to have a lot of links in here 
if if people wanted to get to all those links, where where do they need to go? Uh, the dgshow.org. That's uh, D as in Dissa, G as in Stig, show.org. Uh, so thanks, Sean. So my pleasure. We'll, yeah. we'll get you the links, and uh, hopefully we have people registered for the upcoming Defense in Depth. Yeah, right. awesome. All right, thanks, everyone. All right, All right. see you guys. Thank you.